The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you. It's Cabinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as mostly always, is my co-host, Stephen Brown. Now, Stephen, it's been about two weeks since we talked. We had Elliot on last week. Yeah, you guys had a Star Trek day. Yeah, so... Just the um, two of you, though. Nobody yeah, else. We had our own private Star Trek day. In yeah. fact, uh, I talked to Elliot. Elliot is officially taking the Captain Kirk chair. Oh, yeah? In the old studio, yes. Yeah, that's going to be a, that's a good home for it. Yeah, it's going to be hard to get it out of, the, yeah, good luck. of where it is. <laughs> uh, those yeah. things, Diamond Select custom-made Captain Kirk chairs uh, about 10 years ago. And, I, I and just, if you can believe it, they're not meant to be moved. No, no, and they're made out of plywood just like the original prop. Yeah, so they're uh, just I, as comfortable. Yeah, so um, I have no place to put it now. Because my life's different, so, yeah. <laughs> so I just things. yeah. So so uh, he was the first one I thought of when I was like, who would like a giant Star Trek piece of memorabilia? Yeah, probably the guy that I always call for Star Trek. Right, that's a good place to start. Yeah. So it's been two weeks since we talked. So uh, let me start the conversation by saying this: Hey, have you seen Chris Evans' penis? Uh, no, I haven't. Though I did, I will say I went looking for it. I heard. Um, I feel like that's the mantra for your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't be. seen Chris Evans' penis, but no. I've been looking for it. You know, occasionally. So, um, if, if you haven't heard the story, uh, Chris Evans accidentally posted a dick pic. Uh, there's no confirmation if it was his, but it came from his account and he quickly deleted it. And then when he was asked about it, he didn't want to talk about it, but then he. It was off social media for a few days. And then when he came back, he said, now that I have your attention, vote. Yeah. Which I thought was the coolest way. And I don't care if, a, if his PR people told him that. That's fucking cool. Well, yeah. And he's, uh, he's a pretty swell dude if you follow him on Twitter. Yeah. You know, every time he crops up in the news, it's always like wholesome content. He's like, he's, he's the next Keanu Reeves, really. Like, he's yeah, this he's like, handsome this, this, like, guy that we wrote off when he was young. Right. Who ended up being a pretty good actor and in some major stuff and is just a really cool dude. Yeah, but he's been on the record of like having like really bad anxiety and stuff. And yes, you know, he had problems even accepting the Captain America role because of everything that comes with that. And um, so he's an interesting guy. So it's always, and he's lived up to it. Never, and never forget that he played Human Torch in two pretty lousy Fantastic Four movies and nobody wanted him to be Captain America. Right. I myself included. I was, I was salty as hell when yeah. I heard that he got cast as Cap because I hadn't seen him in anything else. And then um, he nailed it. I mean, this guy's like, yeah, uh, really everyone goes it. on and on about Robert Downey Jr., but uh, we got a very good Captain America too. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, not every not every one of the Avengers was that good right out of the gate. You know what I mean? Right. Like Hawkeye sucks. <laughs> it's like he's always sucked. Yeah, it's like Chris Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. Like those two really nailed it. It took four and they minutes held to it. figure it out. Right, and you know now they've both retired, and we lost right. Chadwick Boseman, who was the third guy that nailed it. Right, and it's like we kind of have 
I mean, let's be fair. We kind of have Doctor Strange and Ant-Man. Do you build a team around Doctor Strange and Ant-Man? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to probably focus more on, like, Captain Marvel. Um, although although the room, there were rumors this week um, about Ant-Man 3. Ant-Man 3 seems to be getting bigger and oh, bigger. Oh, yeah, I don't know that we talked about that. That guy that they cast, the rumor yes. seems to be like Kang. There's a rumor that they've cast Kang. It's an African-American actor. Yeah, and then people, Im- people immediately jump, well, who's that Reed Richards? Because... Oh, because uh, Nathaniel Richards, Reed Richards' dad is Kang. I'm like, yeah, in one timeline, Kang is the most yeah, I, I think fucking every character there is. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's like even the articles, it's like they're going to get frustrating because of their inaccuracies. It's like that's a very complex character, a very complex history that does not make sense. Yeah. So for anyone to be like writing articles of like, oh, Kang was Loki, and it's like Kang wasn't Loki. That's not. Yeah. That's not a thing. Look, look, we all know Kang was a Mortis, Doctor Doom, and Reed Richards' father, and also none of them. Right. Exactly. And don't forget Iron Lad. So the fact that he's appearing in Iron in Ant Man three could be anything. It could be. Um, I think it's most likely that it's Thanos in Guardians of the Galaxy where there's a five-minute scene where you just see Thanos and he's like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I actually disagree. In my I, head canon, Thanos was played by Mr. T. Yeah, that would have been <clears> fine. <throat> he could have been in the 80s. Gotta give me them stones. Yeah, I bet that because Kang's um, integral in the Young Avengers. So I think this is them going to probably introduce the Young Avengers. And Kang is probably showing up to being like, hey, look, Ant-Man, you little prick. You ruined time. <laughs> you know, it's like... He's going to be like, uh, it's going to be retaliation for it, it could Endgame. Be, but con- considering how off base I was with Claw, I'm, I'm not guessing anything because right. they hired Andy Serkis to play Claw. And it's like, oh, you hired the guy that does CG characters to play a guy that's made out of sound. Yeah, instead, they really got us. Instead, you shoot him in an airplane hangar. Right. Well, remember, you thought we were going to get Dr. Doom at the end of Endgame, too. Oh, uh, yeah. There were a lot of rumors about that. I yeah. mean, um. But mo- there, are th- there are three major rumors around Phase 4, which, of course, hasn't really started because we still haven't gotten Black Widow. And- well, rumor has it, then this may have just happened. That, you know, we just started recording. This is a Sunday night. Apparently, the WandaVision trailer is out. Yes, and apparently WandaVision is, com- is now coming out before Winter Soldier and Falcon. Yeah. So, I'm so I wonder-, wonder if maybe that's more like a post-heavy show. Or maybe they did a lot on set. I feel like Captain America, at, um, Winter Soldier, and Falcon are going to be running around on location a lot. Right. And maybe that's what I'm Wa- saying. Maybe WandaVision is in the house and a lot of green screen. Right. So maybe they were like, hey, we can have a small shoot with you two where we can't have these two guys running around with explosions. And for you, they might be filming it just like The Mandalorian, right? Because what's right. the name's working so closely with all of them? It's like, oh, I think all these shows are going to be very. They're all going to look very similar, I think. Well, and that's what blew me away about The Mandalorian was when you watched that making of, and I think we talked about this before, but they didn't shoot anything on location for The Mandalorian. Not a which is damn, crazy, yeah. just in this giant a green screen studio, which wasn't even green screen, it was digital. It was basically big TVs of the sets, the, the entire series. And w- when I saw that, uh, first of all, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And then when uh, lockdown happened, which came out pretty soon after that episode aired, I was like, oh, you could do the Mandalorian. And we got a Mandalorian trailer this week. Right. You could do the Mandalorian in a pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like that's the other big thing side of this is Tenet bombed. 
in theaters. Yes. And uh, Mulan made more money on Disney Plus than Tenet did in theaters. Well, Tenet had this idea of, hey, you can have your own movie theater for a hundred bucks. And they're like, I, I considered it, but I'm not that big a Nolan fan. Honestly, I still haven't seen Dunkirk. So I'm not going to yeah, pay a hundred dollars to go see Tenet. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like you can have as many gimmicks as you want. People aren't ready to go out and get back to like normal. So I right. think it's going to, I don't know that we'll see Black Widow in theaters. I think they'll yeah, just well, you know, uh, Plus. Bill and Ted Face the Music didn't crack the top five the week it came out, but it was number one on streaming because it opened both in theaters and streaming right. at the same time. And honestly, that weekend, that they, it dominated social media. So everybody's watching it. Yeah. And Black yep. Widow is pro- Black Widow and Wonder Woman eighty four are probably being pushed to twenty twenty one now. Is, yeah, I, I, I feel report. like they're just gonna stick it on the streaming app. You know, Tenet was supposed to be this huge movie. It was supposed to be like the return of the blockbuster. You know, they had all this push behind it, and it didn't go anywhere. If they made money with Milan enough to justify it, it's like all right, rain these big budget movies in and just start releasing these quote-unquote smaller movies yeah, you know see, black I, widow is going to be like a massive action movie but it's a smaller on the size of marvel budgets you know yeah but i think they're i think they're gonna sit on it until eventually when theaters open because they saw milan milan still milan was a very interesting way they released it too it was um it was a disney plus premium so the idea was if you're signed up to disney plus you pay an extra fee to watch milan and then now they've announced in december milan will just be on disney plus so it did okay, but they said it was slightly disappointing. They're not going to squander their big Marvel movie. And with Black Widow being before Avengers, I think it's like between Avengers and Avengers Endgame. They can kind of save it for whenever they want. So if they want to put it out in 2022, they can just sit on it and put it out in 2022. Right. That's the thing. With everything shut down, these big machines – uh, of that, like we have a movie and a series and a series and a movie and a movie and a movie and a movie. Uh, it, the whole machine is shut down. So, right. so it's not like, like I said, uh, we'll put out WandaVision and then we'll put out Winter Soldier whenever. The, you don't have to worry about, oh, that's going to fuck up this and that's going to fuck up this and that's going to fuck up this because none of those have been made yet. Right. You know? But they all probably have to be made in a specific order because of what they're because they're always building towards something you know what i mean so, possibly but i mean you know how, how fucked are all the schedules between coronavirus you know pushing all these things back one show leapfrogging another in terms of when it's coming out chadwick Bosman dying so can- canceling whatever yeah. was in the can for black well, panther 2 marvel's know? absolutely in uncharted waters and i, I find it so ironic right. that all of this happens after they do endgame which closes the door on all of their movies Right. And, and you, you have Spider-Man Far From Home as an epilogue. But, right. but now they kind of, they put, they painted themselves into a corner where they're forcing themselves to restart their universe. And they can't start any of it. Yeah, they've got to kind of wait. Yeah, so, you know, we know we're, we're going to, there's some really cool stuff coming down. I mean, we're getting uh, Taika Waititi doing a fourth Thor. We're getting Sam Raimi doing uh, Doctor Strange. The, this is the talk of this week. The Ant-Man movie is supposed to be way bigger than one and two. Yeah. Ant-Man basically has been promoted to A-list um, because people, everyone left. Yeah. People and people like Paul Rudd, those two movies haven't been huge, but they've done well. Right. 
Yeah, and then I mean, I I keep forgetting because they're still going to make another Black Panther, and they're. Uh, I don't Marvel. know. I don't know if they're going to make another Black Panther. I I really don't. They'll make yeah. another Captain Marvel, but I, I mean, and Marvel doesn't know because I uh, Kevin Feige found out Chadwick Boseman had cancer when Chadwick Boseman died. So right. Yeah, they had no idea. Chadwick Boseman thought he was going to live at least to make another Black Panther. So it's not like Marvel's had a back drawer of like, okay, if, if Chadwick doesn't do well in treatment, now we have the Shuri movie or our, we have Fantastic Four in Wakanda. They're, right now, like Kevin Feige's trying to figure out what the fuck to do about Black Panther 2. Like, yeah. Do we well, I, do, we I just do one? Do we recast? version where they're not making – it made too much money not to, you know what I mean? Whether or not the, the director Coogler, whatever his name is, is going to come back to like make, he was going to come back, like, but you don't have, you don't have the black Panther. Oh, I'm, I'm the, you I'm don't have saying. anybody else. You don't have anybody else in their franchise that can stand, that can step up. I mean, Shuri was a well-liked character, but does she sell a movie? Yeah. Well, I, regardless of the conundrum they're in, I don't think that's going to prevent them from trying something. I you think they'll know. you'll give it to Shuri. They'll recast it. They'll do something. You know, you know what they might just do after the pandemic's open. Kevin Feige might come out at the next San Diego and go, "Hey, everybody, just gonna be X Men movies for a while." Yeah, honestly, it's like at this lots point, lots and lots of X Men. They might as well just reboot their universe and start over now that they have everything. You know what I mean? It's like just start over. You did your big story. Start over. Build everything at the same time. You know, well, incorporate and- mutants and Spider Man and. Right, and oh, that's, that been, that's been Marvel's plan all along was to walk away from these characters. Like, Robert Downey Jr. doesn't want to be Iron Man anymore. Fine, we won't have Iron Man. We're making a Shang-Chi movie, for God's sake. Right. Um, Mar- Marvel's plan, which I th- still think is a smart plan, is like, let's just keep doing other books. Let's just keep putting other books in there. We don't, we, let's not worry about, hey, Iron Man was big. What are we going to do without Iron Man? Yeah, I mean, Guardians, Iron Man showed us the first time around. Guardians reaffirmed it. Iron Man showed us as like, Iron Man wasn't a household name. No one cared about Iron Man. No one knew who Iron Man was. Now he's an A-list. Guardians of the Galaxy, same thing. No one knew who those fucking characters were. Nobody cares about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Huge movie, going to have all these sequels there in the Avengers. It's like, it's the same thing. It's like, they'll make Shang-Chi, they'll make people care about Moon Knight. You know what I mean? They'll make people care about she Hulk, who just got cast in you know a show. It's like right, Tatiana Masanli, uh, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, mm. I'm, sure I'm sure I'll get tweets on how to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, who is the star of Orphan Black? Is going to play Jennifer Walters in the She Hulk Disney Plus show. Right, so presumably like some kind of connection with, um, you know, Banner. Yeah, I think so. Well, she's going to play Jennifer Walters. They said that, so I'm sure. I. I don't see any reason that she's not Bruce Banner's cousin. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think Mark Ruffalo is the kind of guy you could get for an episode. Yeah, I think he would do it. I think there's going to be more crossover with these Disney TV shows than there were with the Netflix ones because it's like, this is Disney. You know what I mean? It's right. like, it's the same guy is making the movies telling you, go do this TV show while you're here, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and the production values are so high. I mean, when... They look like movies. When you first saw that Mandalorian, you didn't think it was Daredevil. Yeah, I mean, the Netflix shows looked good, but you could tell they were they had TV show budgets. The Mandalorian right. trailer looks like the next Star Wars movie. It's bananas. Yeah. My favorite thing about Daredevil was they used the exact same GL as Gotham. Oh, did they? Like, like literally, they had the room like uh, they were having a consultation with Kingpin 
in like yeah. this big open room and i'm like isn't that the arkham asylum <laughs> like right. it was like a week later that's wild because they were both shot in new york Right, so it's like this is the this is the jail we have. Yeah, you know? I, I think there's just going to be more and more blurring between the movies and TV, and especially Star Wars because uh, when Mandalorian's a bigger hit than Rise of Skywalker, TV is going right. to be more of a focus point. Yeah, and look, I mean, it's like the solo bombs so that they they pulled their origin movies they were going to do for everybody else. Well, Obi Wan you know became I mean? Obi Wan became, became a TV, TV show, show. and right. apparently. Apparently they're working on that again because uh, Deborah Chow, who directed some of the Mandalorian, is directing Obi Wan. So yeah. So apparently they're, you know, they're, I'm sure they're having Zoom meetings and reading scripts. Oh, definitely. And I think too, it makes sense, right? It's like the Mandalorian did beyond their expectations of how well it was going to do. So any other Star Wars thing that was even remotely ready to go got a green light. You know what I mean? Right. If they were going to do another TV show, it's like, all right, let's do Obi Wan. That makes sense. Right, and the the thing about Disney Plus shows is like, there's a lot of them, but when they hit, you immediately miss them. Like I had, I the last couple of weeks, I had just been digging and digging and digging and digging through old Muppet Show DVDs, and I was trying to figure out why. And part of it was um, around September 11th, in, in 2001, on September 10th, my uh, then girlfriend and I got the time life best of the Muppet show. And then when September 11th happened, anytime we needed to retreat from the news, yeah. we would just watch old Muppet shows where it's the seventies and it's fun. And, you know, and Kenny Rogers is singing the gambler with a puppet. Um, so part of it, I was like, Oh, it must be that feeling because things are getting, you know, the pandemic and racial riots and, and uh, LA on fire with earthquakes and yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away this week. And immediately the reaction was like, how are we going? Are how are they going to make this worse? Yeah, I thought it was that, but then I realized, oh, it's also because Muppets now just ended, and I had it had gotten me hooked on Friday. I get new Muppets, mm. and like Disney Plus immediately addicted, and it came the next week that it came the next week there was no Muppets, right. and something in my lizard brain was like, but but we have Muppets on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like was, Paz, Pavlov's dog or whatever. And all of a sudden, and, and Fridays, yeah. uh, Fridays nights, uh, the boys are with me and we pick a movie and something in my brain went, we're watching the great Muppet caper. Yeah. Well, uh, so Disney plus is, is Disney plus is a tugs you really well. So we're all on, on pins and needles waiting for the Mandalorian. And I have no doubt that when the Marvel shows do get started, we're going to be like that. And, Marvel is, I think Marvel's doing the Star Trek approach, which has been really smart for CBS is like, let's green light so many Star Trek shows that every week there's new Star Trek. And it doesn't matter what it is. Like Star Trek literally like, here's a new show with somebody from the walking dead. Here's a show with Patrick Stewart. That's a sequel to the next generation that this year. Here's one where we just got a guy from Rick and Morty to do Star Trek. Uh, right. And now let's do another one. That's the original series. Let's and the idea is like they're j- just throwing track in front of that train because if they can give you fifty-two new episodes of Star Trek a year, you have no reason to drop off CBS All Access. Right. Um, and it's like it's crazy how much they're leaning into just Star Trek alone. <laughs> you well, know, it's like and, they have nothing else. Right. And that brings us to the news now. And at, to, and to be fair, I've been digging a little bit deeper into CBS. There's a lot of stuff in there. They have a ton of Comedy Central and they have a lot of MTV and old CBS shows. We're watching uh, Everybody Loves Raymond and Beavis and Butthead and Strangers with Candy. 
So there, there's good stuff to dig in there. I've heard great things about Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. I still haven't gotten to it. Yeah. But uh, they announced this week they're changing their name to Paramount Plus, which is a clear indication of like, we want to be like Disney Plus. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy that Disney's just not going to like go after them for it. Well, they, they can't really because I mean, Paramount right, is Paramount. Yeah. But, but CBS All Access sounds like Peacock, which is just, yeah. oh, here's that channel and I can watch last night's Colbert on this channel. Whereas Paramount Plus is like, it's like, hey, you might have all the Indiana Jones movies, like anything that had that Paramount Mountain. And that's a big part of Star Trek. Right. And people found it confusing. Uh, this was about probably 10 years ago when CBS and Paramount split. Um, Star Trek got really confusing because J.J. Abrams was making the movies and they were working on Star Trek Discovery and they didn't talk to each other and they didn't communicate with each other and they didn't have to tie together and they waited for Star Trek Beyond to come out before they put out Discovery. Now we're at a point where Paramount has no idea what to do with the movies. They don't like Simon Pegg has gone on record to go like, I don't think we're coming back. And you know, Quentin Tarantino has this crazy idea for a movie. And um, there was a talk of like Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth were going to team up. And then that went away. But here's CBS putting out a four different series of Star Trek. So Star Trek is very healthy. So yeah. maybe it might be smart just to put them back under the Paramount banner and make it look like the Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think it's every, everyone I think was kind of caught off guard with how well Disney did with establishing a semi competitor with Netflix. I mean, they're still lagging massively behind an original content. You know what I mean? It's like, it's actually kind of surprising that they launched with so little, you know, it's like, it's like yeah. shocking almost, well, but it and, worked, right. And it's, I mean, it's still doing well. Right. And they did what most channels do is they promoted their catalog. And like when Disney came out, they were like, we've got the Mandalorian, which they put front and center. But it's like, hey, you want to see every episode of Gargoyles? You want to watch DuckTales? You know, you want to watch, you want to watch X-Men from the 90s? Right. So, no, they had a bank on nostalgia to get them through the bank dry spell. Yeah. <laughs> you know? that, that's what's killing Apple Plus is they don't have any catalog. They've right. got like the five shows they created. It's like, you want to see Steve Carell and Jan Franston? Or you want to see another show from Always Sunny? It's, right. It's like there's three seasons of this, you know? Yes. And so CBS kind of came out as like, hey, we're going to do new shows based on franchises you like. But now doing that and making it a part of Paramount, for some reason, it's perceived value. Like, doesn't it feel easier to spend five bucks a month on Paramount than it does to spend five bucks a month on CBS? I mean, the whole thing to me is frustrating because I, 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 uh, I made the connection a while ago that I'm like, there's re they repackaged cable. Yeah, they did. Sold it back to us. And it's like, it's hard for me to be, be anything other than upset about all of that. <laughs> Is that it's like, we're basically back to cable. It's like, they, 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 they basically just re recreated the formula. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I, ha I am on eight streaming platforms now. Right. And I, I can't give up any of them. Right. And, and I think that's the thing. It's like so many people are paying for all these or it's like how many people are on how many different people's accounts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and that was another announcement they made this week. There was actually a lot of streaming announcements. Um, DC Universe is not gone. Jim Lee came out this week and said, yeah, it's just going to be comics now. So it's, yeah. it's 
DC Universe is now Marvel Unlimited. It's now just a copy of what Marvel has been doing for 12 years. Marvel was right. doing this before there were tablets. You know, yeah. you go onto the browser and you read a comic book. And Marvel was doing it when the Ultimates launched. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. that's how I read most of those comics was on right. the digital app. Yeah, I mean, before that, they were selling DVD-ROMs. Uh, right. And they were, they were scans that, like, I think Danny Fingeroth was putting his comics on a scanner. But um, so now DC is a copy of that. But all of the original programming that they created, um, specifically Doom Patrol and Harley Quinn, which were the good shows, uh, all of those HBO Max has picked up and announced new seasons. We'll see what happens with Young Justice. I don't know if they were planning to do it. Yeah, I looked and I didn't see a Young Justice isn't on HBO Go. Well, um, no, not, I think the old show was on Netflix, but well, that's the thing. And people are asking, Hey, DC universe had all Batman, the animated series and Superman and justice league and super friends. Are those going to be on HBO max? And there's no answer, which again is why, why I say, you know what, if you really love that show, just buy it on iTunes and, and, and buy, buy it on movies and connect it. And then you have it on your device. Right. Uh, but uh, and they did have a big sale because this was Batman Day this weekend, which, uh, by the way, we're not talking about because there's nothing to talk about with Batman right now. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's like, uh, you know, the oh, the Batman Catwoman book's coming out in a couple months. You coming know? out in December. It's finally yeah. coming out. Yeah. Um, I did yeah. try um, uh, Doom Patrol, the show. I watched the first episode. What do you think? I don't, uh, didn't care for it. Uh, I will tell you what helped me. Yeah. I, I watched the first two or three and I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is. Uh, yeah. And then I stopped it and I went to Comixology Unlimited and they had all the Grant Morrison trades. And I was like, you know what? I don't know anything about Doom Patrol. I like Grant Morrison. I'll read these. And they were like six volumes and I read them in about a month. And then I went back and I was like, oh, they're doing Grant Morrison. So yeah. either read those trades, because they are good. I mean, if you like Grant Morrison, it's definitely worth reading. Um, but also a lot of it's adapting his stuff. So it's yeah. like, yeah, this is somebody doing a Grant Morrison TV show. And I just finished season two, and I really liked it. And now I've been on this run of, of weird uh, superhero shows, because it took me a long time to finish Legion. And then it took me a while to finish Doom Patrol. And now I'm knocking out Umbrella Academy. I've got a couple episodes left. And now I'm caught up with the boys. So there's always these kind of like anti-superhero shows out. Yeah. And you're watching all of them? I'm watching all of them. I mean, I'm really grateful for the shows that come out once a week. The boys is coming out once a week now. Season one came out all together. Yeah. But with it coming out once a week, um, you always said this. It's like when you, you start to binge the show, you're like, do I have 85 hours? Right, yeah, it's too much. But you know what? I have an hour a week, yeah. Right, we spread it out, and I'll find the time for it. When it's all at once, it's, it's like overwhelming. Right, and we, and we were talking about this, especially when Picard was out, because Picard, uh, CBS does once a week. So Picard was once a week. I could spend that six days going like, hey, what's going to happen? What was that? Maybe I'll watch it again. Right. Yeah, where, it's like you reflect on it in a way where I think with binging, it's like everything just kind of bleeds together. It's a big blur, yeah. Yeah, so it's like you're not really sure what happened like in any given episode because you you basically watched, the, you binge the whole thing. You know, it's like I watched all of Breaking Bad very quickly. And yeah. it's like I know what the show's about, but I could barely probably tell you about a single episode. Yeah, you know? like I, I watched every season of Stranger Things in a weekend and I'm like, it's like a blur. Like every Netflix show – 
that I like. I'm just like, and when it comes back, it's a year later. I'm like, what? Right. Like, uh, it's like, there's more big mouth. I'm like, yeah, what were those characters names? Yeah. You know, whereas, uh, honestly, we're good. We're about six months away from the ending of Picard. And, and part of me is like, yeah, so what's going to happen in season two? What's going to, you know, Picard's now this. I don't want to give spoilers if, if you have right. it. But I'm like, well, this is where it left off. Where's it going to go? It's still in my head because I had time. I built a relationship with the show. You know? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, you're, it's more, you're with it longer because it, uh, you're not gorging it all at once. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you spend more time with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I absolutely agree. So, I wish I could drop some of these platforms, but everything has got something that's very important to me. And like I said, if, if they can build up to the point where there's always something, I mean, with, uh, with CBS, it's like, yeah, you guys like Star Trek. Here's all the Star Trek always. Yeah. I'm going to pay $5 a month to always have Star Trek. That's the price of one issue. Right. Whereas I, but then with Netflix, I mean, I feel like Netflix does so much content that after about a week, you forget about it. I was, um, so Friday, I was really, really, uh, Friday, I was as angry as most people. Oh, um, uh, dealing with the news. And then I was trying to figure out like, what do I want? What do I want? And then I was, uh, I was like, um, I was like, I want to watch, I, I need to watch something like violent and tough to make me feel like I can fight back. And I started to watch Mad Max Fury Road, which I hadn't seen yeah. in a long time. And I know you still hate. Yeah, um, and I'm like, I guess I want to watch this. And I got, but I got about five minutes in and Charlize Theron popped up and I'm like, Hey, isn't there a Netflix movie where Charlize Theron's a badass? Didn't that come out like two weeks ago? And it took me a long time to remember the name of it and to find it. And I believe it was one of those movies that was going to be released theatrically. And then it, with the pandemic, they sold it to Netflix. Uh-huh. It's called The Old Garden. It's pretty good. It's not yeah, amazing. it's a comic. Yeah, and it, it wasn't We're amazing. Talk about this. It wasn't amazing, but it was good. But I had a hard time even remembering what it was. And I'm like, this thing came out two weeks ago. Like, it's gone out of the public consciousness. Right. You know, yeah, I don't remember t- when it was released. Um, I remember in the last it. month, certainly. Definitely, yeah. I mean, we talked about it a couple weeks ago because I had read the comic and then watched the show. Um, and it is, it's exactly what you're describing, you know, where it's just like, yeah, I haven't seen it advertised. I've been on Netflix. It's just like, it's gone. Yeah, it's like Netflix is like, hey, we got a new thing. Let's all talk about it for two days and then we'll just stop. Like, I was on Netflix and I was scrolling and I'm like, how much did this movie cost you? Even if you didn't produce it, how much did you pay to own it? And I can't right. find it in your interface. Like, you're not going like, hey, we got a new Charlize Theron movie because you've got like seven things a week. Yeah, there's so much new content on Netflix. And it's, but it's like, I've never seen so much content generated that I could care less about. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I hope somebody's watching this stuff, but it's just like, there's just so much stuff put out constantly. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything Netflix does that's my favorite thing. Right. Like, yeah, it's I, like there's a I lot just, of stuff I'll watch, but um, there, uh, there's a great documentary that I watched this week on Netflix called The Social Dilemma about how... Oh, I've seen it advertised. How about how so, social networking is... Um, you know, Ruining our lives and world. Yep, yep. And basically what it comes down to, it's very worth watching and it goes into detail, but the one thing they really pulled out was that 
um, the value of social network is how long you spend on the platform. So, uh, and as we all know, I think it's common knowledge by now, you're not the customer, you're the product. Right. If you were the customer, you'd pay for Facebook. Advertisers pay for Facebook. Um, you're the product because Facebook goes, look, there's a billion people here. Right. And here's what they're all looking at and what they're searching for. So their business model is to keep you there longer. So all the little things they did, likes and notifications and adding messaging and poking someone, um, all of that are ways to keep, to get you to spend just a couple more minutes on it. But all of those things are addictive behaviors. All those things right. like hit your dopamine the same way. So they're slowly addicting the people to their product without intending it. It's not like this insidious. No, I actually cabal. think it is. I remember seeing no, an interview with one of the Facebook guys and he was saying like, we knew what we were doing. He's like, it was like a dopamine hit. He said we were basically like just turning into likes and little notifications. It was like, watch that they were basically. Watch, watch the documentary because it, it, it covers all sides of that. Yeah. So it, it paints a really wide picture of what's going on yeah and there are guys that are like yeah this is what we're doing and there are guys who are like we were just trying to get a little more we weren't we weren't trying to get people to be this way we were just it's it's the it's capitalism story it's just like it's more 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 till it's too much but capital capitalism can't recognize too much that's yeah problem. capitalism capitalism never recognizes hey guys let's calm down a little bit yeah that's like it should like uh they believe it never should be regulated it's like it should absolutely be regulated you can't take the leash off this thing yeah i mean we're at the point where the world resources can't sustain capitalism so maybe we should have stopped a couple of turns back but right. um, but it was really interesting but i and it's on your front page now it's called the social and i definitely recommend it um but uh in a week it's gonna be hard to find just right. it's just buried in in Netflix, and it used to be uh, adding things to your list would kind of be your lifeline through because it's like, okay, there's thousands upon thousands and thousands of things. Here's the things I want to watch. But now, like, now I go on to Netflix, I can't find my list. Like, yeah. I'm like scrolling and scrolling and <laughs> scrolling for my list. It's like it's, it's burdened by the weight of its own, like, uh, gluttony. You know what I mean? It's like there's so much content on it. Yeah. And, I, you know, there was a time when we thought, oh, it's all going to be Netflix, and Netflix will have everything that's ever been produced. And I'll just right. go to Netflix like it's Google and be like, I want to watch the Adams Family Netflix and it would have it. And then, but now it's the competition of everybody else wants to be Netflix. Right. Um, and speaking of, of expensive operating systems, uh, another story that happened this week was uh, PlayStation 5 finally announced the release date and the price point. Yeah. And then put it up for pre-orders and that disappeared in about seconds. Yeah. You can't... Once again, you, you can't, can't get, one. get one. Right, yeah. So, uh... Now, I had heard the Spider-Man game, they, I said, uh, was, isn't a full game. It's a shorter game, yeah. But they, right. but, but they are selling it for full price. So I'm like, okay, did you go in and add some levels? Is it going to be bigger than it was? Because hmm. um, I feel like this happens a lot where they say, this is a mini game or this is a DLC. And then they see the sales of it and they just kind of make it longer and longer. Right. I feel like Batman Arkham Origins was supposed to be like that. It ended up being just as long as Arkham City, but not as good. Yeah. And I think that's what this is, is it seems like this game is built on the engine that created the first game. It's like they just made as much random content as they could justify. Yeah. Yeah. It's like enough to make it like kind of a game. And they're like, all right, here you go. But when there's a Spider-Man 2, which I mean, story-wise, it feels like Spider-Man 2 has got to be about the Green Goblin and Venom because 
number one, those are the two major villains that are not in the game. And there's an Easter egg at the end. That's like Norman. Right. They lead into these guys. And you know what? You could spend a whole game going. Sure uh, could. Green Goblin, Venom, Hobgoblin, Carnage. Your final boss battle is Red Goblin. Right. Yeah. It's like these games write themselves now, you know, there's so much material for them to mine. Yeah. So I think they didn't want to market Miles Morales as the second game because it's Peter. But, uh, and it's built on the same engine. I think that's the real publication. But I want it. They yeah, did, I want to play it. Uh, they I are, don't know that I'm going to spend $500 to play it, though. <laughs> you know? Well, they announced that there will be a PS4 version. Right. So I think that's what I'll end up getting, probably. Yeah. Well, I don't have a console here. And the PS4 we have is getting long in the tooth. And it, like, it coughs up dust. And I've cracked it open and blown it out. And it's like... It's getting old. It's all so I left it back at the house and here in the apartment. I'm like, well, I might as well get a PS5 for Christmas. Now I can't. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I think is is interesting is that for a hundred dollars less, you can get one without a disc drive. Yeah, I think it's like that's kind of horseshit because they're saying a disc drive is a hundred dollars. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. Like, well, it's it horseshit. If, yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing: for save by saving money, there you are guaranteeing that you will buy everything through PlayStation and you're not going to GameStop anymore. Right. And, but then also that it's like, you can, you're not going to trade your games. You know, it's like, you can't nope. you lend your buddy a digital game. Yeah. And my so. PS4, my PS4, I believe I have like, I'm at about 50, 50 where I've got half of them on disc and half of them I bought through the PlayStation store and they're on an external hard drive. My hope is when the PS5 comes out, um, Either I sign into the PlayStation Network and they're like, hey, here's all your PS4 games. You want to download them again? Or I plug that hard drive in and they go, oh, yeah, there's all your games. This is, these are on the same account. Hopefully. Hopefully they're not going to make you buy them all again. Yeah, I don't know. And I was thinking maybe I should get the one with the disc in it just to be safe so I can put these discs in. And, of course, right now I can't get anything. Right. I mean, I can't imagine them not sending out another wave of these things sometime in November. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy countdown because they know this is this is the Christmas thing, and and God only knows after a year of everyone staying in their house, like we getting a it, console yeah. in the winter is more important than ever because there were probably a lot of people that haven't touched their game consoles that are now really good at them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just like just think of how many people are now working from home that you know. Yep. And it's like you can't go out and do anything. So it's like just playing video games is like the only thing, you know, a lot more people are turning to it. Well, here's the thing. Even if you're at your desk working straight ahead all day, um, the average commute is 40 minutes, which means the average person has almost an hour and a half of their life back. Right. I mean, as a casual gamer, 90 minutes a day is pretty heavy. Oh, yeah. So that's that's what's not going on, you know? yeah. That's not even if you have a job that has quiet times where you can you can go play a console while you're waiting for an email to come in. You know, the, people have more gaming time because they're not going to a job. Right, most people. Most people. Some people still have yeah. to go to their jobs. Some mm, people. Poor bastards. Some people don't have a job. Yeah, that's also true. So luck, of, lucky bastards still employed. Yeah, millions and millions of people have lost their jobs. So if you still have any money to buy a console, you're looking at a PS5 or the Xbox Series S. But honestly, um, because of Spider-Man, uh, PlayStation has the licenses I want. So I, I'm going to stay with Sony. 
yeah i don't really know what i'd play on xbox right now um I, it's like we've got one of the xboxes i don't know whatever like the third one is or something yeah i, um, they I named jumped, them like lunatics i jumped back and forth for a while i had a i had a ps2 that i sold to get an xbox 360 and then uh, i sold the xbox to get the ps4 but now now the ps5 is coming out, i'm gonna i'm gonna stay with sony right yeah, so it's backwards compatibility. I, my thought of the collector is always, hey, there's all this great stuff in the history of this. Like, I always want to access that. So you and I talk about this all the time. Like, I, I want omnibuses, you know? Or, uh, like, there are people that are like, I want Silver Age comics. Um, with game systems, uh, people that really love gaming, and I'm not a hardcore gamer by any stretch. I just, I don't even, my mind isn't even geared that way i'm not a guy like like mike drucker is a great great gamer um has been on the show a lot he knows that he knows it in and out and he'll want to play a super nintendo game every now and then right but video games are usually leaving that next generation behind so i always worry like every time i get a new console i'm like but what about all the games i like can i still play them and it's usually like nope right yeah because here's a bunch of new games uh but it is becoming more and more important because like I said, I, I, you know, I've, I've, I've been in my own apartment now for three months. Um, there was a couple weeks where I was like, hey, I really want to play Spider-Man again. And when I get a PS5, I really want to play Spider-Man again. Yeah. I do kind of hope they do have backwards compatibility. My fear with backwards it will. compatibility it, is like, it, it will. goes so far. You know, it's yeah. like, you want, you know, if you're playing the most popular games, it's like, great, they'll get, catch you, but... <laughs> You know, if you're playing some game only you ever played, will they ever get to that, you know? Yeah, for, from what I've heard, the operating system can handle PS4. So I, th- I think you can put a PS4 disc in it, and it doesn't matter what it is, and it'll read it. Yeah. Uh, you know, once you get past that, like PS3, there's no way. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of limit, right? They're not going to do all of their PlayStation catalog, though, you know, at some point that might be something worth them coming up with or figuring out how to do something like that. Yeah. You know, it's like if you could have an emulator on the internet that allows you to play like a Nintendo or a Sega game, you should be able to do that with PlayStation games from 20 years ago, you know? Yeah. And they used to resell those. I had a, um, I had a PS4 disc that was 120 Atari games because the file sizes are so small. That's like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just put them all on here and we'll, will encode them for our operating system to handle them. Um, and that's fine. The, really what it comes down to is what it always comes down to is how much of a market is there? Like how many people still want to play Atari games? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different little things going on. There's a lot of, uh, oh, one of the last things I want to touch on is um, DC just keeps, seems to just keep getting hammered financially. One of the things in Bleeding Cool, um, I read Bleeding Cool occasionally. There's a lot, you know, Rich Johnson does a lot of digging. A lot of it tends uh, tends to be rumor. A lot of it tends to, some of it tends to be political. A lot of it doesn't seem to come true. But I thought this story was really interesting is that um, he ran through most of the big writers. There's an article up now and it's on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash cabinet comics if you want to look at it. But it says how uh, writers' runs have all changed. But, and they're saying, like, they're not getting the big deal. Grant Morrison, uh, his 
run on Green Lantern was cut short, then it was in extended, then it was not extended. Uh, now he doesn't have another book lined up. Um, Scott Snyder is finishing the death metal event, and but that's it. Tom King is doing a Rorschach book. Uh, Strange Adventures is a limited series. Batman Catwoman is a limited series, but nothing big on the horizon. Jeff Johns doesn't have anything after Three Jokers. Doomsday Clock is finished. And it's this feeling that um, they don't want to spend the money on, on these guys. You know, they, they built up the top writers. They're making the top rates. But DC doesn't want to pay those top rates anymore. And it kind of goes to follow with the way things have been shaking out. They cut 25% of their line. They didn't announce much of DC fandom. You know, they, they uh, pretty much uh, shuttered the DC Universe app. We're looking at a very streamlined DC comics moving forward. Yeah, it's like uh, I haven't been paying too much attention to it. So it's kind of crazy when you lay it all out like that. Like, oh, yeah, they really are. They're shaking a lot of things up. You know, yeah. it's kind of crazy. It's like you didn't think, what, AT&T bought Warner Brothers, right? That's what happened? Yeah, that's what happened. Warner Brothers always protected DC Comics. Warner Brothers always looked at DC Comics as if, as if it was research and development. They basically said, yeah. look, we made a billion dollars on a Batman movie. If you, got, you guys lost $1 million this year. Yeah, we made it back. Just, just go peek. You put the books out because then when we have our billion-dollar Batman movie – you get a million fans to go ape shit before it opens. Right. And they were, they were fine with that arrangement. Uh, AT&T is not fine with that arrangement. AT&T is looking at the bottom line of everything. That's and crazy. Yeah. It's not making money. So yeah, yeah they're hammering them. Uh, I don't think it's going to go away, but uh, I do think like AT&T is trying to just squeeze the juice out of the characters that they can get out of them. Yeah. Any, any juice that isn't, creating revenue gone i mean DC's it's right. funny because it's like uh everything everyone was worried about happening with marvel when disney bought marvel at&t is doing with these dc exactly like disney and bought marvel and just said let marvel be marvel and just gave them cash infusion to do big movies dc, and it's fan, like, DC fans didn't say anything when at&t bought, right i didn't hear about warner brothers not a peep then all of a yeah. sudden it was like all of a sudden, there's all these changes. Yeah, it's like when you get an email from your company going like, hey, we've been bought by this company. It's going to be great things for people. And then all of a sudden, people just start getting fired. And you're like, oh, right. I, I thought nothing was going to change. Right. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, so we're, we're definitely moving into a new place. And, and obviously, that opens the Pandora's box of like, hey, print versus digital and trade versus monthly. Uh, I mean, AT&T is just going to go for what makes the most. One of the interesting things, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, was that they, they closed the trade program and they just went to all the editors. They were, they were like, you produce the content, you produce the trade. And I was yeah. like, isn't the trade the moneymaker? Isn't, isn't I mean, it's a third of the moneymaker, or at least it should be, you know, the yeah, market and, share. Right. And I mean, Comixology always has sales on trades. I mean, Comixology yeah. does a lot of business on trades. It's not all single issues. Well, that's the problem, right? Is like the great fear of like the people coming in who control the purse strings, not understanding how the industry works and fucking it up. And I think it's like, it sucks because this year was going to be hard for comics anyway. And now it just sounds like DC is just going to kind of be put through the ringer. You know, we'll see if it comes out the other end, you know, even as like a recognizable company or how long they'll even still be putting, you know, comics out if they're just going to keep slashing stuff like this. It's like... You know, will, who knows? They will always be the company that owns Batman because Batman will always be profitable. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I actually just watched uh, 
a Batman, the Batman and uh, what is it? Bill, Batman and Bill, the Bill Finger pod. Uh, oh, yeah, documentary. yeah. Yeah. Have it's, you seen it's, that? It's a good one. Yeah. It was on Hulu, wasn't it? Yeah. I found it on Hulu. Um, interesting. The guy that did it is kind of like an ego person, I think. is well, like Bob like, Kane, yeah. Well, Bob Kane's a lunatic. Yeah. An yeah. asshole. But um, yeah, one of those uh, kind of something where it's just like, yeah. The point they make in the documentaries are like Batman is the, there's not a person in the world that doesn't know who Batman is. Yep. You know what I mean? There's no way they're not going to stop putting out content with Batman, but yeah. whether or not it's the serialized monthly comics is like, I don't know. It just seems like it's in real jeopardy, you know? Well, I always think of, um, I, I was in a panel uh, listening to Matt Fraction and Kelly Sudaconic talking about writing comics and something Matt Fraction told me always stuck with me. And I think he made said that, I think he told him that Brian Michael Bendis said this to him, but I'm giving him the credit because he's the one I heard it from. He said, when you work on the big books, as opposed to your creator on, he was comparing like sex, criminal, sex criminals to Iron Man and, and Fantastic Four and, his, and Hawkeye. He said, he goes, what? He goes, Spider-Man's a train. And every month that train's leaving. And either you're on it or you're not on it. So like, yeah, you can be the writer of Spider-Man, but you can't create a big stink and say, this is my vision for Spider-Man. They don't give a fuck. Spider-Man right. train's leaving. And AT&T, I think, is taking that approach to Batman. It's like, hey, Batman's this thing that we put in movies and cartoons and, and toys and, and coffee mugs. Like, we, we also put it on these pamphlets. Uh, if the pamphlets aren't making money, then stop making the pamphlets. Right. Like, if the, I think AT&T looks at it as like, if a Batman sleeping bag is going to make more than a monthly issue of Batman, buy monthly right. issue put of Batman. sleeping bag, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating because it's just like uh, this is it's like a worst case scenario type situation. You know, you don't want these people running the show. They don't know what they're doing when it comes to this industry. So I think it's um, it, it's not looking great. And it's I funny. Would say. Have you ever read the book Easy Riders Raging Bulls? No. Um, it's it's a story about uh, Hollywood in the seventies, and. Um, Basically, there's a lot of stories about cocaine and sex because it's the 70s. <laughs> but but yeah, really, that's how, it, it's that's a, how the 70s worked. It's a story about how in the 60s, once once television got color, movie studios were just gonna go under. They just couldn't compete. Most of them didn't have TV divisions, so they were just dying, dying, dying. And then they turned to indie filmmakers. And then you have Dennis Hopper and Martin Scorsese and Brian De Palma and Francis Ford Coppola. And then later in the book, you get George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. And it's a story about how these young maverick directors turned Hollywood around and started, they, you know, the movies they made in the seventies, you couldn't put on television. Like you couldn't fucking make jaws on television. Right. Um, or mean streets. Uh, and it was about that. And then, uh, but basically that arc was, Hey, at, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg started making like massive amounts of money for Hollywood. Like, like no movie had ever made what Jaws made. And then no movie ever made what Close Encounters made. And then no movie ever made what Star Wars made. So like Hollywood was on a bigger map and then the big companies started coming and buying them. And that's when they started like just tearing them apart and making them corporate product and Hollywood studio films. It's hard to get a, a real voice in a Hollywood studio film. Like, you know, a film from 2002 is not a film from 1978, you know, even from the same direct, look at Steven Spielberg. I mean, you could say he's older, but Close Encounters is not AI, you know, like there's a process. And I think what we're talking about with AT&T, that's going to happen to comic books. 
yeah, you'll get all these people that the people that really want to be there, not the people that are there for the paycheck because the paychecks aren't going to be so good. Yeah. So to wrap things up, I think we've had a lot of recommendations this week, so I don't think we need to do a greatest thing. Yeah, I don't think so. But, um, but with the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, huge seismic ripples with both uh, bad things happening and then good things happening to counteract the bad things and then bad things happening again and then good things counteract. It's been a crazy emotional. It's been a fucking roller coaster. It's been an emotional weekend. So right now, are you feeling hopeful or despairing? Uh, I would say despairing. Uh, I think it's very frustrating because the um, it's like it's this is like one of the worst things that could happen. <laughs> it's like I don't know how this year could get any worse, and I I don't like saying that out loud because I'm I don't want to challenge the cosmos. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I just kind of need things to calm down. Um, well, it sucks, man. I, it sucks. If I can counteract that, I've done a lot of uh, a lot of talk with this. I was talking with uh, some friends of mine for a long time about this uh, to the point where I was like, "We made the same point twice. Let's stop talking." Um, yeah. I'm. St- Friday was very, very despairing to the point where I had to watch the old guard. Um, Saturday, I'm getting more hopeful because of the backlash, because of things like, um, like when Mitch, Mitch McConnell said, we need, we're going to vote on a Supreme court justice now, even though he made us wait a year because Obama was up for reelection. Nine months. The, the backlash was so swift that the white house was like, yeah, we can't do that. The donations Oh yeah, my brother was telling me about this. Yeah, I donated to I donated hundred bucks to getmitchordietrying.com. Yes, which um, Amy McGrath is getting a lot of donations. She's getting a lot of that. You know, it's debatable whether she has a chance. She's got a good war chest. If you want to donate to her, you can absolutely donate to Amy McGrath's campaign. She's got banners everywhere. But uh, I really like Get Mitch or Die Trying. What they what they do is they say there are eleven seats that will that we can flip blue that have yeah. that are really slim margins that they have a better chance even of Amy McGrath beating Mitch. And if we, yeah, flip- the idea isn't to get rid of Mitch out of the Senate. It, the, the idea is to get him to lose majority is so that he yeah, no longer is Senate leader. If the Democrats can flip four seats, then it's yeah. a democratic Senate. And then, they raised a hundred million dollars in 48 hours. There you go. Yeah. That's so, the kind I mean, of that's, you know, yeah. yes, absolutely. And, that's like a good, good on people. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, we'll see. <laughs> Steven, how can we follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at the Brave Butter Pecan. John, how do we follow you? Well, uh, I haven't. Uh, uh, you can follow me at Not in My Book on Instagram and Twitter. That is the official caffeinated comics feed. You can also follow for our Facebook page. I've already mentioned it. I'm not going to plug it again. Um, nope. But uh, I have an announcement about the show. Yes. How, tell us, John. Canceled. No, wouldn't that no, be horrible if that that's will... the if that's the way I told you? Yeah, I was like, wow, really live on this show. You want to? That's how you want to do it, huh? That's how David Bowie broke up the spiders from Mars. Really? The band he had on Ziggy Stardust on the last show. He goes, "It's been a great tone. It's been a great band. That's it." And he left. That's incredible. And they're all on the stage, like, "What? Did he Wait, fire what? us?" No, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but the, the show is available on Stitcher, on Spotify, on iTunes. It is now available on Amazon Music. Oh, cool. Um, uh, Edward Silla, who runs the 
Radio Misfits Podcast Network, who is a great person. Um, and you can go to RadioMisfits.com and see all of our shows. And there's some fantastic people running shows. And I know everyone I've met from the network, I enjoy very much. And I'd like to meet more of them. But Edward, who runs the network, sent me an email just the other day. said, we are now on Amazon Music. That's awesome. Oh, Look and by the, by the way, these things do matter. Um, if you're, and if you're listening to it, please tell people that you like it. That is, if you like it. Um, I know we don't have the niche focus of some things. Uh, you know, I've had friends like uh, our good friend Lauren Fates had the Shira podcast, which had a great niche and, and it became huge because no one else is talking about it. We are right. talking about things that other people are talking about. But the best way to promote a podcast is by telling people you like it. But, you know, uh, I was on my TV just tonight and I have a Spotify app on my TV. So you can just play through this because of the TV and you can get the podcast through your TV because of these apps. Then we could be on your TV. We can be on your TV. It's basically the big poster uh, all the time. That's good. So uh, there's plenty of ways to follow us, plenty of ways to reach us. Definitely reach out and we will reach out to you next week. <laughs>